in your Bibles this morning. <clears throat> Some very interesting things in the scriptures that talk about day and night. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And there's a night of death. There's a night of tribulation. And then, of course, the, the, what the hymn, at least what I'm making it mean, <laughs> the chorus, um, the, the darkness shall turn to dawning, the darkness of tribulation, the dawning of the new day when Christ will come. We praise God for that. Revelation chapter 20. This morning, just down, read verses 1 through 6, then we'll pray, and then the message for today. And John writes, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee for... This passage of scripture, for the, the great day that it talks about, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth and the binding of Satan and all that that involves. And we ask, Lord God, I pray for the help of the Holy Spirit and giving wisdom and, Father, even a voice to speak. And I pray that the word preached today would be a great help to everybody, um, all those who are here today listening in person and for those who may be, will be listening later. Uh, we just thank you for the opportunity to proclaim thy word. Father, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just give the words we just sang, just some of those. And Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth, the kingdom of love and light. And so there's, a lot, there's many things involved in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope to talk about some of them today. But do you all realize how great this is? We pray for our nation, we pray for the world, we pray for many things, and, and yet uh, the greatest thing of all will be the exaltation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who in chapter 19 was referred to as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and that's really the best thing. Of all the blessings, we're going to try to look at a few, I um, don't know how far we'll get through all this today, but the Bible has a lot to say, especially the Old Testament, about the greatness of Christ's kingdom when he comes to earth and what it's going to mean to the world. It's, we're going to have, it's, there's going to be a transformed earth, and the Bible talks about it. And sometimes people ask, we talk about, we think about, what was the world like before Adam and Eve disobeyed God? Well, we're going to get to see a lot of what it was like. It's, it's not going to be completely restored to how it was before, 
but it's going to be greatly different than the world today. And I can't help but think on the great contrast between the kingdoms of earth and and what we see today in our own country and and in all, all over the world and what God's word says about the thousand year reign of Christ. And we're going to conclude by just there's some things, really encouragements and motivations, knowing what we have to look forward to as believers. And even now, the Lord is ruling from heaven, and he will rule on earth. And so there's at least three great things, marvelous things, uh, set forth in our small text today, just six verses. Uh, the first of those is the binding of Satan, right? Uh, verses 1 through 3, we, we read about this, the binding of the devil. Now, we understand, we ought to anyway, the devil is real. He's a real person. He's powerful. He's evil. You know, he's wicked. He fights everything that God does. He tries, basically, one of the things that he does, he tries to counterfeit what God does. And, and we understand, and in fact, some of the things that four titles that are mentioned about him today give us some insight into what he's like all right and so first first we see there an angel comes down from heaven so god commissions an angel um and i saw an angel come down from heaven the bible says having the key of the bottomless pit and that key symbolizing authority from god this angel is given authority and he's given power a key, the key of the bottomless pit, which the Bible indicates very strongly that that's in the earth. It's in the center of the earth. If you want to look later, Revelation chapter 9 talks about the bottomless pit opening and smoke coming out and, and darkening the sky. And so the bottomless pit, or the abyss, as the Greek word is, is that place in the center of the earth. It's a place of torment and so forth. And so that's where you know, the angel has this key, and he also has a great chain in his hand. You know what that's for? That's a, that's a uh, symbol of binding and imprisonment. So he comes down with the key, with the chain, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Four names, really quickly, four titles. Dragon, speaking of power and cruelty. Notice the old, that old serpent. And old takes us back. It's the, the word from which we get our English word archaic or archaeology. So it's the, the, the original serpent, the one who was in the garden, the one who tempted and deceived Eve and so on. That old serpent. And so that depicts his subtlety, his craftiness. And then the devil. The word devil there literally translates to accuser or slander, diabolos, where we get the English word diabolical. All right? and he is the accuser. We saw that in Revelation 12. He's the accuser of the brethren. And then he's also known as Satan, which means adversary. Adversary. First Peter, your adversary, the devil. Your adversary, the slanderer, walks about, seeking whom he may devour. So the day's coming. At the end, when Jesus comes back, at the end of the tribulation, to begin the kingdom, one of the first things is after he destroys the armies of Antichrist, he has an angel 
take a hold of the dragon. He grabs, he takes him, he, he binds him, all right? Now, this depiction that, that is given here tells me anyway, tells us from the scriptures that this is not the Lord himself who's going to bind the devil. It's an angel he gives power to. Now, I find that encouraging. When Jesus was on the earth, he gave his disciples power and authority over evil spirits and so on. Why do I say, well, power, in other words, that they did not have? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure if this angel could defeat the devil on his own. I rather doubt it. But he was given that authority. So, so I say that as encourage us because we have the word of God. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the Holy Spirit for a believer. We have been equipped with everything we need and the whole armor of God in order to meet all the attacks of the devil. All right? And I, I realize, and maybe some of you have realized this or experienced it to some extent, um, over the years now I've come to realize as many times when I have to prepare messages or Bible studies, whatever, that deal with the devil and his territory and all that, and I, I always expect opposition. Um, not because I'm anything, but because the devil doesn't want the word of God going out. And so I prayed. I always pray extra, it seems like, and God answers. Um, and thankful, thankfully for that, right? And whatever your knowledge, whatever your thoughts about the devil today, let me encourage you this way. I can't find a verse in the Bible that says we ought to be afraid of him. All right? It says be aware of him. But we are to focus on the Lord and on his word and, real, and put on that armor and thank God for it. And especially, you know, thank God for the sword of the spirit, which he cannot stand before. And so we have the prayer in Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, 10 through 18. It talks about the armor of God, which he has provided for us. And I was reminded of all that when I said, saw that this angel was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he was given a chain, all right, to bind the devil. Notice what it says, verse 2, praise God, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So in other words, he, this is his sentence. He's going to be in prison for a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, verse 3. And shut him up. Now, I'd like to say that that's shutting his mouth, but it's the idea of locking him up, all right? But either way, he's going to be quiet. He won't be able to do his diabolical work. No tempting anymore. He will be shut up. And an and indication is that if you shut up, if you put the leader away, you're going to put the others away with him too. But anyway, cast him by his pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him, and that's the idea of the seal there is the, the sentence, the authority of God, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So in other words, until the thousand years that he's talking about here, and we know that to be the thousand year reign of Christ, the devil will not be able to do any more of his wickedness. He won't be able to tempt anybody. He won't be able to oppose God. He won't be able to cause any problems, any trouble on the earth for a thousand years. And after that, 
the end of verse 3, he must be loosed a little season. Now we'll talk about that later on, but let me just say this. At the end of the kingdom, the devil will be released again and will be allowed to go out and deceive people. Who, who will be the deceived? Well, there will be people born during the kingdom, right? Children will be born by those living saints who live through the tribulation. The Bible talks about that. That's not part of today's study, but we'll look at it probably at some point. And so, but he, so he's going to get out. He's going to get loosed. All right. The interesting thing is that the, the scriptures in the Old Testament do talk about there will be, there, there will be people in the kingdom who will be able to sin, and, and the Bible talks about God's judgment upon them. That tells me that the, there will be children born during the kingdom. They will have sin nature. They will be human beings. They won't be glorified like us, all right? So anyway, now at the beginning of the kingdom, everyone will be saved. I mean, the ones who enter the kingdom will be believers, okay? But multitudes will be born. Anyway, that's enough about that right now. So the first great thing is in this passage is that the devil is bound, all right? The binding of Satan. All right, now... Number two, the blessing of the saved, or the blessing of the saints. Look at verse four. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Now, interesting, when we, back in Revelation 4, which is the first chapter that John wrote about that was pertaining to the things which shall be here, hereafter, there are saints, there are saved people seated upon thrones and with white, with crowns on their heads, white robes, re- representing the people saved during the church age that represents the New Testament church. And so there's thrones, there some of those sitting on thrones. But in verse 4, there is a special group or a group that is given special recognition by the Lord. And it says, notice this, judgment was given unto them, verse 4, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so the tribulation martyrs, those who had been, and it's a, I mean, again, it speaks of the, of the abominable evil of Antichrist. He's going to declare war on the believers. And we talked, you know, we've talked about that and we've praised God that even during the tribulation, multitudes will be saved. Probably the greatest ingathering of souls at any time in the history of the gospel ministry. But many of them, not all, because the Bible guarantees some are going to live through it. Not all, but some are going to be martyred. And, and the, the favored method of the Antichrist is going to be beheading. And we know that's happening even today in some parts of the world. And I, I, you know, I think about that, and, and I just, we just have to give that to, the God, to God and pray for those. But even as, we're standing, as I'm standing here and you're sitting here, who knows how many believers are, are being murdered today in other parts of the world how many are in prison how many are being persecuted well 
The Bible promises, Jesus said it way back in Matthew chapter 5, great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Great is their reward. And so, and, and I'll tell you something, folks, we don't, I don't like to think about it, and I don't, I don't think anybody likes to think about maybe having your head chopped off for Jesus. But the Bible says if that happens, whoever that happens to, have, they have a special place. They have a special place in the kingdom of, God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so John sees this, and he sees the fact that there's their souls there. And, of course, they're going to be reunited with a glorified body. They're going to be ruling with Christ and all these things. All right, now, so that's the blessing of the saints. And then he talks about, in verse 5, a reminder of future judgment but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished and we'll look at that in fact that'll be our subject for if not next week the week after Um, we might spend next sunday looking at a few more of the kingdom blessings but at some point we're going to finish the chapter lord willing and we're going to see that final judgment the judgment on all the dead who did not receive christ as savior and so there's a reminder and i find that um, throughout the book of revelation in the midst of god talking about blessings there are reminders there are warnings and i think we'll see that when we get to tw- chapter 21 if the lord hasn't come by then we get to chapter number 21 it's all the blessings of of the of the new heaven the new earth the new jerusalem right in the middle are warnings to the unbelievers. And so right to the very end of the scripture, there are warnings to the unbelievers. And so very, very serious. And, and, we, and you know, we, we, just, we can get so caught up in, in what's going on down here that we forget what's going to be going on up there. And we can forget what's really important in life. That this is real, folks. There are going to be people who are going to be with Christ. He's really coming back. He's going to reign on the earth. Believers will be with him. Unbelievers will not only be shut out of the kingdom, they'll be shut out of heaven, and they will be in the lake of fire forever and ever. That's what the scripture says. And so we need to get a, a dose of reality every now and then to realize that this time on earth, and man, some of us realize we're living, you know, day by day, and we don't, we, we're just getting older and older and older, and we're getting closer. You know, we're get, I'm getting closer to that three score and ten, and some of you have gone beyond that. And so we, this life is, is so short and so temporary. This is real. This is forever, all right? He's coming. He really is. He's coming back. And um, anyway, so bless, but the rest of the dead lived not again till a thousand years were finished. So at the end of the kingdom, the rest of the dead, the unbelieving, unbelieving dead from Cain all the way up are going to be resurrected. And that's again, that's in the, the, the rest the, near the end of the chapter. And then he says this among those who who um, those martyrs and it says this is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so the first resurrection, according to the scriptures, there are going to be 
three groups of people that are going to be in that first resurrection. Certainly there's going to be the Old Testament saints like Daniel and Moses and those who died before Christ came. There are going to be the New Testament saints, those that were saved from Jesus' time until the, until the rapture. And then there's going to be the tribulation saints. Now just like the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, is in more than one stage, the rapture and the coming to earth, so the first resurrection will be in a couple phases. The first one, the first part, will be us, the New Testament believers, resurrected when Jesus comes. And I don't, I don't believe, according to Scripture, according to the book of Revelation, Revelation 11 talks about when Christ comes back to earth, that's the time when the saints and the prophets are going to be resurrected. So I believe that the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints will, will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation. And that seems to better fit the overall plan of God, even the, the distinction between the church and Israel and all those kinds of things. Again, that's not something to, to die for. And I mean, that's, but it just seems like that's the pattern in the scripture. Okay, Now, um, they shall be priests of God. We'll back up a little bit. On such the second death hath no power. The second death is mentioned later in the chapter. That's being cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. That's eternal death. The Bible says it's a point unto men once to die physically, but after that the judgment. So the second death is for those who do not trust Christ as Savior. That's, that's eternal death in the lake of fire. Praise the Lord. Those who partake in the first resurrection, in other words, are saved, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God in Christ. And that's true of, of believers. We're, we're that down here, and then we're going to reign with Christ a thousand years. We're going to be with him in his kingdom. All right, let's just take a few months. I'm going to take a long time. I have several things, several scriptures. We're not going to rush through these. But let's go back to the book of Isaiah. Number The third point today, the third blessing, is the bountiful reign of the sovereign king. And so let's go to the book of Isaiah. And I have these things kind of like t- topically or some, some of the characteristics that will be on the earth. Number one, it will be a kingdom of holiness, the kingdom of Christ. What, it'll be, what will it be like? To, what will it be like to be with Christ, to reign with him on this earth? Well, number one, it will be a kingdom of holiness. Isaiah 61. Verse 10. There are two words that are absolutely synonymous in both the Old and New Testaments. They are the word holiness and righteousness. So when you, th- when you read holy, you can think of righteous. When you read righteous, you can think of holy. All right? And they both, they both are in- inner char- characteristics that show themselves outwardly. Right? You may not think about that with the holiness and righteousness of God, but God is holy in nature so therefore he's righteous in all that he does. All right, so Isaiah 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. 
For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations, all peoples, all the earth. Right? So it's going to be a kingdom of righteousness and holiness. Notice that Revelation 19 talks about the bride adorning herself and all that. And so, all right, let's take a look at the book of Obadiah. This is good. Good exercise, a biblical exercise. Um, Obadiah is right after Amos. And Amos, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, right? So um, Obadiah just has one chapter. So Obadiah. Again, referring to that kingdom of Christ. Obadiah, verse 17, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. So there's a lot in that verse about the house of Jacob. In other words, the people of Israel possessing their possessions and the fullness of, the God, of God's promises to Abraham will be, will be fulfilled during that kingdom. All right, one more on holiness, the book of Zechariah. Next to the last book of the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 14. Which is, I just love this scripture because it just basically tells that everything in the king, everything on earth is going to be holy during that kingdom. Everything's going to be dedicated to the Lord. And verse 20, in that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Right? Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judea shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seed therein. And in that day there, sh- there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. In other words, no Gentile, no foreigner will, will impose upon or take charge or control or seize the house of God, the temple. Ezekiel makes it clear that there will be a temple during the millennium. He even mentions sacrifices. Um, the sacrifices in the Old Testament look forward to Jesus. It could very well be that what sacrifice there will be in the millennium, of course, will be looking back. And we'll, people will see the fulfillment in what Jesus Christ did. So holiness. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 2. Every one of these is going to start with the book of Isaiah. Every one of these characteristics. The second characteristic of the kingdom of Christ on earth will be peace. There will be peace. All right, we're going to take a look at three passages on the book of Isaiah. Chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days, the very last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. The temple of God rebuilt there. 
And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion, Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So peace there. All right, chapter 9 of Isaiah. Verse 6 and 7. I'm so glad to include these verses today because we so we often and rightly so we use them about the first coming the birth of Jesus and that's true but here's one of those cases many prophecies talk about the first and second coming without making any distinction but in Isaiah 9 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And of course, zeal there means the great desire of the Lord. Jesus himself, right now, I know from his word, he longs for that day. It's in the Father's timing, but it is it will come. And so, um, one other one, chapter 11, as far as peace. Chapter 11. And these things, folks, we need to take literally. And I, I hate to even say this, but you need to be warned that one of the subtle attacks on God's word today is to take these scriptures about a literal kingdom and deny them. And try to spiritualize them. And say that it's not talking literally. Well, that's goofy. I mean, put it, light, put it bluntly. That's just goofy. Why are they in here if they don't mean what they say? Listen, this, what a day. This is, this is one example. How is the earth going to be transformed? Isaiah 11, verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's the kid's baby goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Pretty plain, right? Transformed like it was before Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin into the world because all animals ate fruit and grass and so on back in that day. And that's how it's going to be. Again, the kingdom. Verse 8, And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. All right? Sucking child, a, a little baby just barely creeping along. So I idea there. Asp is a poisonous snake. In that part of the world, they live in holes in the ground. And so the little baby's going to be able to play right, right, in the, right on the snake's pit there. All right? Um, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice. That's Dan. That's another poisonous snake that lives up higher, off the ground, in rocks and so on. And it says they're, they're, the kid, they're going to be able to play with snakes. Or on, maybe not on purpose, but anyway. They're going to be there. They shall not hurt, verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. 
for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So God's word is going to be proclaimed. And so in, in a couple, two, at least two aspects. One, when the kingdom begins, everybody on earth will be saved and will know the Lord. And then as the millennium unfolds, the, not, the, the word of God is going to be proclaimed throughout the world. All right, let's take one more. And that is joy. So there's going to be holiness. There's going to be peace. There's going to be joy. And certainly among the people of God, um, Isaiah 12. Isaiah chapter 12. Again, in many of these verses, the focus is on Israel. But you'll notice as we go through these that it also mentions the nations of the world because they're going to come under that same blessing, all those who trust in Christ. And so in chapter 12, verse 1, we read this. And in that day, all right, put, make a note in your mind, if not on your, with a pen, that is a phrase that is used throughout the book of Isaiah to refer to the coming of the Lord and all the things about that, all right? Sometimes it's referring to tribulation. Uh, Most of the time it's referring to the coming of Christ, the kingdom. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Not now it isn't, not today, but that day it will be. It's known a little bit here and there, but now, you know, we could never, we could never say in our day that this is known throughout all the earth. We could never say in our day that the, the, the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, that's our job, and it's our ministry, it's our privilege to, to give, as, give as many people as much knowledge of God as we can. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. That's why we send missionaries and support missionaries so that the gospel can go out through all the world. And it's all pointing toward this day, that day, all right? Um, and in verse 6, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And of course, Jerusalem is going to be the one, the city that's exalted. Um, Zion is another name for Jerusalem, okay? All right. So, chapter 35. We're going to take a look at this passage in Isaiah and one in Zechariah, and then we're going to save the rest for next time. All right? And it's, it's, going to get, it's just going to get great, greater and greater as we take a look at what the Bible says about this kingdom of the Lord on the earth. And you know what? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's great to live for the Lord in this world, but you all know. Right? You all know there's opposition. Oh, man, every single day we're faced, and sometimes it seems like we're bombarded with anti-Christ and anti-Bible and anti-God stuff 
all over the place. I, and I tell you, sometimes I think, oh, man, I can't stand this anymore. All the garbage and all the blasphemies and he, that, are, that are being just spewed forth all over this country, all over the world. Well, you know, the day is coming that there's, that's going to be totally gone. It's going to be totally silenced. And so then we're going to realize what it, re- what it really means to live on the earth and live for Christ and live a life of just total holiness, peace, joy, and then the other things that we're going to talk about later. But notice chapter 35 of Isaiah, verse number 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, that is, the people of God, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly. So God, the whole world's going to be blessed, the earth, and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And so some of the things on earth that are known for their beauty, even more so, and places that were desolate and wilderness are going to bloom and blossom. Strengthen ye the weak knees, confirm the feeble knees. Or I'm sorry, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the, the feeble knees. Say to them that have a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. In other words, this is the, the message of encouragement to us today in this world we live in now. Why? For your or your God, behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. We sang the hymn that's based on verses 5 and 6. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise ye dumb, ye loosen tongues employ, ye blind, behold your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, transformed earth. Of course, this is also, there's certainly an application to when we go to be with the Lord, when the rapture comes, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be translated. And then it goes on to talk about the the parched ground shall become a pool, verse 7. The thirsty land springs of water and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Of course, the dragons will, they'll be transformed too. Let's not talk about the devil there, but anyway. And a highway shall be there, and a way it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for, the, for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. So there's, there's going to be transformation. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. In other words, no threats, no enemies, no danger. Is the idea there. No robbers, no wild animals to hurt anybody. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Again, that's the, all the believers are going to experience the blessing of that. But again, it's a message of encouragement to the people of Israel who are suffering. They were suffering in Isaiah's day. Because of their own sin, their, dis- their, their rebellion against the Lord and, and disobedience, and they were under the, uh, the army, or they were under the Assyrians, they were under the Babylonians, and they were under these and under that. All through history, all even to the, today, they're oppressed a lot, but the day's coming and it's all going to be gone. 
And of course, we who are saved, because we're going to be in the kingdom, are going to enjoy that same deliverance. All right? Now, let's take a look at one more passage, and then we're going to close for today. But it's Zechariah chapter 8. Um, and and you, I've, I've, I don't know how many times over the years I have referred to this passage, this, this passage of Scripture. Um, it's one of the greatest. It's just one of the most precious in all of the word of God. Think about those people right now, these, those nations that are bent on destroying Israel. I wasn't going to talk about the election. I'm not. But one of the things that um, President Trump ought to be remembered for is how he took the, the uh, embassy and, uh, and put it back in Jerusalem and how, how he has negotiated some things among the nations over there, and a couple of nations have said they're not going to fight Israel anymore. And I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know if that's going to be, you know. But um, we need to remember, and I, I remind people all the time, and sometimes I get flack for it, but, you know, we, we need to support Israel. We need to pray for Israel. We need to love Israel. Uh, the Bible says God told Abraham, if you, if you bless Israel, I'll bless you. If you bless, if you curse Israel, I'll curse you. I mean, he didn't say that. He said, to Abraham, I'll bless him that bless you, and I'll curse him that curses you. And that's never been rescinded from the word of God. And if you have a problem with that, I would encourage you to think back through history over nations that tried to destroy Israel, and where are they? All right? Probably the most recent huge one was Germany under Hitler. Where is Germany today? Is anybody afraid of Germany? You know, they were a world power. In the late 30s and 40s, but they cursed. They, they were at least six million Jews were exterminated by them. All right, and see where they are. See, God judged them. Now, and so I said all that to say this: it's not going to always be that way. All right, Zechariah chapter number eight, verse 18. And the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord of hosts, can be saying, "Thus saith the Lord of hosts: the fast of the fourth month." And the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Right? So these observances that they had are going to be joyful. Therefore love the truth and peace. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, it shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities. And the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. In other words, nations other than Israel. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I mean, you know, that, that's not a proclamation by a president or a king or the United Nations or anybody. This is the Lord of hosts, the God of the, of the armies of heaven. In those days, there's that, there's that phrase again. In those days, it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all the languages of the nations. Even shall take hold of the skirt or the hem, you know, the of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Oh, my. That's what happened. That, what, what the, the thing that's going to trigger that or spark that, if you will, is when Israel finally turns back to God and to their Messiah. 
Now, the book of Zechariah indicates pretty strongly that they know that, that Christ is coming, but they, what they don't understand is that it was the same Jesus. Because the Bible says that later on in Zechariah, they'll look on me whom they've pierced. So the scene is this. When Jesus comes down, and we're, again, we're fitting this in with the context of what we've done in Revelation. When he comes down, Jesus returns. The Antichrist, his, his, his armies have circled Jerusalem. They're going to destroy these, these Jews for once and for all. They're going to destroy the city. They're going to wipe out the name of Israel forever. And then when before they can even begin that or get much into it, Jesus is going to come down and he's going to destroy those armies, wipe them out. And the people of Israel, people in Jerusalem, they're going to come running out to their, to their Messiah and their Savior. And when he, he's going to reach out to them, when he, do, when he does, they're going to see the nails in his hands, they're going to his feet, and they're going to look upon him, him whom they pierced, and they shall mourn for him. The Bible says, the end of Zechariah 12. Then Zechariah 13 starts out, in that day there shall be a fountain open. So they're going, to, they're going to turn to the Lord. They're going to turn to Christ. They're going to turn to Jesus. And that's when all these blessings are going to pour out. And that's when all these nations that hate so much hate them are going to say, We're going to, we want to go with you. We're going to go with you. And so we praise the Lord for that. Well, that's just a little bit of what the kingdom is going to be like. And hopefully, God, God really, next week, we'll look at these. I mean, we'll look at some more and probably some more. And we'll just see what a what a great what a great day what a great time one thousand years of absolute peace on earth and Christ ruling. Thank God for that. All right, let me mark my spot here and uh, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these reminders. And think about when the disciples were on the earth and and Christ took three of them up on the mountain and he was transfigured and that was to show them. Give them a glimpse of what his return would be like. And Father, we've seen a glimpse through the word of God of what the, what the earth is going to be like, what the kingdom is going to be like. And we thank thee for what we have to look forward to in Christ. Help us, O oh Lord. May that be something that will just spur us on to living zealously for thee and to do our very best with your help to get the word of God out. And help us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books. We will close today with a hymn, number 367. 
to a story to tell. And here it talks about his love. You know, what, what is going to happen on earth during the kingdom? All those blessings. You know, Jesus is going to do that because he loves his people. That's what he wants to do. The Bible says in the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his greatness. And certainly that's going to be part of that. I mean, he loves us. That's why he, he's going to do all this for us. And he knows what we go through down here. And Romans says what we, what we go through down here can't even be compared with what we're going to have in glory. So cheer up. Whatever we go through down here, God has it all figured. He's got it all written down. He's got it in his mind. He's going to repack many times over. Praise the Lord. I had a chance to just share some of those things with Mary on the phone. And she was, as you can imagine, she was kind of down when she found out she had to have her leg you know, taken off. And, and as we talked, you could just hear her cheering up. And today she's like, just have great peace. And that's what the Lord does. You can do it for all of us if we trust in the Heavenly Father, just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we know that there's suffering, there's affliction, there's things in this world, and even the Lord Jesus. He had to endure the cross before he could gain the crown. So help us, O Lord, please help us as we look at these great scriptures today to be reminded of all that we have in Christ and all that we have to look forward to. And may it truly move us and constrain us to wait for the Lord. May we not lose sight of the good of the 